I want to just say a short personal word to many, many, many of you who've reached out uh, to me this past week. As you know, uh, when you try to stop a car with a motorcycle, it's not a pleasant experience. And various body parts uh, protest. And um, just amazing to me the amount of love and prayer and outreach that you have given to me and Cindy this past weekend. Is that Tim Henry? Good morning, Tim. Good to see you. I just now saw you there. Uh, Tim's been on an adventure of his own, going out to California to have his knee rearranged. And uh, it's good to have you here. We'll have to swap stories and have some, some mutual, <laughs> mutual sympathy. Uh, but good to have you here, Tim. I, I, just heard, I just heard about this guy who was, this was in Russia, okay, in Russia. So the, this doesn't have anything to do with, it, with anything. Uh, he's in the hospital, and the nurse came and said, uh, she's working with him. Now, what do you do for a living? He said, I'm in the KGB. She said, oh, that's cool. I bet you could tell some interesting stories. Can you tell me any? He said, about me or about you. Um, as you know, I have been answering questions or dealing with questions for sermon material for many, many months since back in the spring, and uh, I'm almost done. I think next Sunday is the final question that you have given to me. This particular one I thought was a very interesting and amazing question, and it fits in with the theme today with our church's uh, commitment to missions and supporting missions and missionaries. And I'm going to just read this, and it says, I'd like to hear a sermon from Psalm 53. It seems to be talking about the persecution of believers by folks who are actually afraid of God or God's people. When we support missionaries, and now that's talking about our church, I'm pretty sure, the we. When we support missionaries who go to live in other countries, is this like sticking our finger in a hornet's nest? i.e. causing persecution? Or do missionaries help break down hostility against believers because they are right there living with folks who may be hostile toward God? Um, so, you know, in a week here, a couple weeks where we've had such amazing unrest in our world, Israel-Gaza situation and all this, um, this, is a, this is a very pertinent question. When we go to these other places as Americans, taking our language, our culture, our looks, everything else with us, are we making it better or are we making it worse? That's the question. And the Psalm 53, uh, I'm not going to actually get into Psalm 53 a whole lot, but I think, I assume, the passage in question there that brought this thought to mind is in verse um, 4 and 5 where it talks about those who devour my people as men eat bread. It's, it says here in this question, um, it seems to be talking about the persecution of believers. And as you all know, many places in our world today, Christians are devoured. If it is discovered that Christians not too long ago in North Korea, a couple was put in jail because the Bible was found in their home. They had a one-year-old son. The one-year-old son was also put in jail. So this is a kind of, of, of rabid hatred of Christians and Christian anger or Christian community, uh, of 
Christianity that uh, is there in parts of the world. And I assume that whoever asked this question is talking about verse 4 and 5 where it talks about God's people being devoured and the dread that is on the population or the people, which is really shouldn't, it shouldn't be there, it's irrelevant, but the dread that's there leads to the circumstance. So the question is, look, uh, it's great to send out missionaries, but are we really making things better or are we actually, as it says here, sticking our finger in a hornet's nest because the people in the places we go don't want to see us there. And by us, I'm talking about either us as Americans or any missionary who goes off to another place. So um, I, I want to just talk about this uh, in a few minutes that I have here. And I'm going to start by mentioning this passage in Acts chapter three, uh, Acts chapter 13, where it says that while they were praying, the Lord said to them, um, take Barnabas and Saul and pray over them and send them off, send them out. And you know the story of how Barnabas and Paul actually were sent out. And so this question saying, is it really a good thing for us to send people over to these different places uh, is, is somewhat relevant. Oh, here's a picture. You can't see it really. Um, we've got a newsletter from Ruth Rivera in Central America, and she's able to do dental work again. You know, she was sidelined for a while because of pulled tendons in her arm. When you pull so many teeth that you pull tendons in your arm, you're working a lot. And, uh, and she is able to... Um, to travel to different parts of her country. And believe me, there's very different cultures from the cities up into the mountains. And so she's being sent. Um, I want to just mention the, the logic or this, this idea because I think it's part of this question. Is it really important? Do we really need to send people to other places and other parts of the world? This term is very specific. We get our word apostle from this word. But the first part of this word, this prefix, apo, means to go off, to be divided or to be separated off from. That is the actual logic of attaching this prefix. It's one thing to send somebody. Maybe you send your hand to your head because you, you, you need to scratch an itch. Okay, that's not that great of a distance. It's not that great of a, of a, of a journey to be sent this far. But if you send something way far off where it needs then, because of the distance, it, it's not in close community, it's not in close fellowship, it loses the um, community that it had, then there's a different reality. And often with missions and our sending missionaries, we're either talking about a financial, or we're either talking about a, geographical distance that we're covering, and so they're being sent off a long way at a distance, or they're being sent to someone who represents a different way of life or a different understanding. It might be a different language, different culture, or whatever. This is, this, is the, this is the key ingredient in what it means to be, in those terms, what they called an apostle. The apostles were missionaries. The word missionary in English comes from the Latin root miseo, mateo, means to send. It means to, to send somebody away. And so this is, the, diff, the, the issue is, 
that there's a difference. I'm sent off, I'm sent to, to be part of something that has a difference from where I am sent from. So what happens where you go when you go somewhere that things are different? Well, differences create a lot of awkwardness. They create often a lot of fear. If I, I wish I had time, but I don't. If I had time and I, and I asked a couple of you to come up here and help me, and you came up here and I took a pitcher of water and I poured a cup of water for you and I gave it to you. It's in a clear little glass, a little clear plastic thing. Poured a cup of water, gave it to you. Poured a cup of water, gave it to you. And then the last dude, I poured a cup of water, but instead of a little clear plastic glass, what if it was a red cup? Instead of clear, it was red. What would that person think? Why why, why did I get the red cup? Everybody else got the clear cup. I mean, it doesn't take much. And as soon as we see a difference, and this, by the way, explains peer pressure. This explains war. This explains genocide. This explains a whole lot of stuff that goes on in our world because uh, persecution, because we see something different, we hear something different, and we say, oh, I'm not sure what to do with this. Remember a couple weeks ago, we, we looked at the scripture where the disciples came to Jesus and said, hey, Lord, there's a dude up here casting demons out of people, and we didn't we told him to stop because he's not one of us. Why does he have to be one of us? Well, Jesus said he didn't have to be one of them, but they, the fact that he was different caused great suspicion, caused a lot of uh, hesitancy within them. So differences create awkwardness and fear. And then the, the, the matter grows... When my differences now are, are, uh, are accompanied by words of challenge or words of, of confrontation of some sort, now they create hostility. So when the lady said to King Saul, Saul has slain his thousands. That's pretty cool. That's a pretty good accomplishment. And Saul was probably okay or proud of that until he heard that David has slain his ten thousands. And now there's something that makes... Saul feel that this difference between him and David somehow sort of threatens him. If I say to you, we're different, and that means I'm superior to you, I'm, I'm smarter than you, those are fighting words. The difference itself may be somewhat awkward, but when you come and back the, distance, back the difference up with some sort of an explanation that makes the other person feel that they're threatened, then hostility quickly arises out of that situation. So let me just mention several things. Um, we get hostile. The differences create hostility because sometimes we don't understand that this difference really don't matter one bit. This is the case, for example, with the color of somebody's skin. It don't matter. It doesn't matter at all, but we think it matters. We're ignorant of the fact that it's, it's really not a threatening issue. If I gave three of you a, a clear cup of water and I gave you a fourth cup, a, a, a person a, a red cup, it, that doesn't mean anything. That's not a threat, but you might take it as that because there's, you don't know. You're, you're ignorant. Secondly, awareness 
when it comes that this difference is unfavorable toward me. That's Saul and King David. Saul has slain his thousands. woo But David is 10,000. And immediately there's, there's a sense of, of hostility because it seems like the differences we have make it seem like you're better than me or you're, you're, you're somehow you're more sophisticated to me. And then sometimes it's not any of those cultural or human factors. Sometimes the difference that come, uh, that, that sometimes the hostility that comes, especially when Christians are persecuted in different parts of the world, it's really not due to these cultural things. Paul uh, was uh, accosted by, in, on the island of Cyprus, he was accosted by this guy who, whose name was, whose nickname was Elamus. And he tried to um, interfere with Paul's ministry. He tried to, he just tried to sow seeds of confusion. And Paul finally turned and looked him in the face and he said, you know what your problem is? You're a son of the devil. And you're trying to pervert the word of God. And just to show you that God isn't pleased about this, I'm going to pronounce something right now. You're going to go blind. And he did for a period of several days. This sorcerer, this deceiver went blind because he was trying to agitate and say to his friends, you don't want to talk to these people. These people are different. They came here from somewhere else. They're foreigners. You don't want to, be, you, you don't want to listen to anything they had to say. And so Paul realized that it wasn't just cultural conditioners. This was actual spiritual opposition. And that this was a... This was a, 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 a tool of Satan, and so he uh, rebuked him. Now, let me go back to this psalm. There's two parts to this psalm. If you read Psalm 53 in different translations, you won't even know you're reading the same psalm. This is an extremely obscure passage. I've looked, I looked at it in the Hebrew text, and I'm telling you, it's just almost impossible to translate. And I thought, oh, I wonder how different translations, and I probably looked at 10, and, and I, I didn't even know I was reading the same passage. It's very, very difficult. So I'm just going to go with what the New International Version says because this is what I use and it's what I have and I think it's what this question was based off of when it said it seems like it's talking about persecution of God's people. And that does seem to be what it's talking about. Evildoers devour my people. Now, the question is... Um, why are, why are they doing that? Are they just afraid of God? Are they just ignorant of the fact that the missionary is there for a good purpose? It says they're overwhelmed, but there's nothing to dread. But they don't know that, so that's why I have ignorance up there. They think that the presence of this Christian missionary is a reason for them to fear. They think that the presence of this missionary is a threat. It's not, but they don't realize that. They don't understand that, so therefore... They rise up and they persecute, and maybe they kill them, or maybe they try to drive them out, or maybe they try to, uh, you know, persecute them in many ways. So that's the question. Knowing that people respond sometimes in ignorance, sometimes in great suspicion and fear and hostility, why do we send people there? Is it really right? Is it is it something we really should do? Or are we actually agitating and aggravating this tendency, this human tendency of, of difference creating hostility? I, I just want to make a couple comments. First of all is this. 
I, I don't know how to say it. Um, no, I'm sorry, this isn't, where I, this isn't where I thought it was. First, let me just say this. Missionaries have not always helped. Many, many wonderful, godly missionaries have done tremendous things. But some missionaries in history, in different places and parts of the world, have messed up and they have created their own sense of hostility. They didn't do very well, they didn't do a very good job, and they came in there, mixed up the message with the, with the, message with the culture, and they came in and maybe they abused native people, or all sorts of things have happened in which the missionaries went way beyond what the calling of God to share the gospel is about, and therefore created enemies and hostility. I, I'm the first person to admit that and say that. I know that's happened in many places, but there have been many, many, many others who have not gotten off into the, uh, into the ditch sidelines there, um, and, and I think that a true Christian missionary will focus on matters of the heart rather than go in and try to just focus on all the social issues and change all the culture in, in, in that country. And, and so, just a reminder of this, the tension that's always there between the gospel and the culture. This is a very real issue. How much do we say, even today, I mean, even us as Americans in our country, how much of our energy should we spend trying to share the gospel versus change the culture, change the rules, change the laws, protests, and all these things. Well, I just want to say this, and that the, most of the focus of our witness should be on preaching the gospel and on um, sharing and, and cultivating the message of Christ changing hearts. Because, here's the point, when you change someone's heart, and this is what Stephanie kind of mentioned a little bit, when you change a heart, good things culturally are going to happen. Good things are going to come out of it. When you're able to see a heart change, then you're going to see culture change. It may be minuscule. It may be slow. But this is the, Christ, this is the way of Christ. This was, this was how he looked at it. Um, you know, remember Zacchaeus when he was up in the tree and Jesus said, Hey, I want to come to your house. And Zacchaeus was so smitten and he slid down out of the tree and he said, Tell you what, Lord. I think I need to give back some stuff I stole. What do you mean? Well, Zacchaeus' heart was already beginning to change. <laughs> he was already just being overwhelmed by the presence of Christ. And right away, he was going to make some things right. Culture was already starting to change because his heart was changing. This is the goal of the missionary. It's not to impact culture or to change culture firsthand but rather to change hearts. And so this is the, the answer to the question that I'd like to give to you from my point of view, and from my perspective. And that is this, that the presence of a Christian witness or a Christian missionary has never caused persecution. And I'll tell you why. It's because Jesus told us how to go. He said, be as smart as a snake and as innocent as a dove. We don't agitate. We don't aggravate. I'm saying we in the sense of Christian witness. It is not the goal of a Christian witness to overthrow the government or the regime. That may happen someday as a result of it, but that's not, that's not the goal of it. Christian missionaries do not cause persecution. Um, persecution comes from Satan 
who deceives people to, into being afraid of that Christian witness. You know, in the, in the book of Revelation, in chapter 20, it's, Satan is pictured as being thrown into the pit, as being, as being thrown into the abyss. And it tells us why that the Lord throws him into the abyss. So that he cannot deceive the nations anymore. That's what he's doing right now. He deceives the nations. And that's why the Hamas and the Israelis, that's why all these wars go on all the time. Because we believe the lie that we are somehow being subjugated. We somehow, uh, we, we somehow are being threatened by someone else's philosophy or someone else's point of view. We could all get along if we chose and if we were willing. We could do that. And we could work out vast differences in our understanding of the world and, and so forth. But um, Satan would never have us to believe that. And so he deceives and he agitates and therefore creates fear out of which persecution comes. They are not, uh, the, 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 those of us who seek to spread the gospel, these people that we support, these wonderful folks in different parts of the world, they are there to share light and they are there to share love. And you ask me, you tell me, what is provocative about light or love? What is it about either of those that would come in and say, well, I'm so smart and you're so stupid? That would never be part of the presentation or the mission or the goal of someone sharing the gospel. There's nothing provocative about it except that it wants to change your heart. But those who are... Uh, it's not the intention. I'm simply saying it's, it's not the intention or the fault of the missionary. This is the response of darkness to light. That is why, where persecution comes. You know, I'll just give you a quick example. I'm almost done. Jesus stood before the council. Jesus stood before a, a court that had been convened. And it says the high priest asked him questions. And Jesus said, Listen to this. Jesus said, I have spoken openly in the temple and the synagogue. I have taught and not hidden anything from the people. I have always uh, taught in openness and broad daylight. If you want to know the answer to these questions, why don't you speak to the people that I've, that I've taught? Why are you asking me these questions? Now, is there anything provocative about that answer? They were, they were, they were pounding on him. And he just said, look, I've, I've, I've told you everything I've said is open. There's nothing hidden. There's no secrets. Why do you keep questioning me? And you know what their response was? They slapped him in the face. This is persecution, not caused by the missionary, not caused by the messenger, caused by the hatred and the deception of the response of darkness to light. That's what it's caused by. It's not the fault of the missionary. So, um, the, the question, the, the question is here, is somebody asked, is, do we, should, should, are we doing the right thing? 
is it's appropriate for us, still today in the 21st century, the way the world is, to send missionaries to different parts, to support missionaries, to celebrate and be part of this apostello mentality that we are sending people off to different... Is that right? Well, first of all, I wanted to say this. Just a reminder. We don't call anybody into this. Our church, I'm talking about our church fellowship. We don't call anybody into missions. God calls people. He puts the call in people's hearts, not us. And so all we can do is say, brother, sister, God calls you. We'll support you. We'll bless you in any way we can. We're glad he's called you. But we have nothing to do with God calling people into missions. That's what God does. And, and so, uh, as to whether it's appropriate for us to respond and bless and facilitate what God has does, yes. The answer is yes, because we're not the one who calls. Secondly, uh, the gospel could be communicated in many different ways, and of course today it's possible to communicate anything, any, 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 any amazing amount of ways, internet and all this stuff. And we should use all that stuff. That's all, that's all well and good. But I want to tell you, there is nothing that ever has or ever will improve upon or even measure up to a face-to-face person. Nothing that any technology will ever offer or artificial intelligence will ever make will ever, will ever even come close to a face-to-face to face encounter where someone stands at your house and knocks on your door, sits in your living room, rides in your car and says, let me tell you about, let me explain, let me show you. There is, this is just how it's done. And so Paul, for example, you know, wrote letters, but he still came and visited and knocked on their door. Number three. um, Well, I guess I'm just already, I already said that. Remember the passage in Romans chapter 10, the very familiar passage. We've, you've heard it many times. We've used it many times in our missions um, moments and so forth. Where it says, Paul says, how can, they, how can they believe? How can they have faith unless they hear? I'm just working it backwards. How can they hear unless... Someone preaches. How can they preach unless they're sent? How can they sent unless God be sent unless God calls them? It just lays out the logic of the progression. I just want you to understand. I want you to be very clear that this term, this word in the middle there, which the King James translates as preacher, is is that kind of a term. It is not preaching. It doesn't say, how can they hear unless there's preaching? It says, how can they hear unless someone preaches? This is the personal aspect. This is the apostle being sent off, the missionary getting on a plane and going. This is someone, not just a vague notion of preaching, information somehow flowing. It is a person who, who facilitates and who demonstrates that information. That's how people come to faith, by someone who is called and sent and so forth. And it's very plain there in Romans 10. 
If we fail to obey, and if you go back to this question, the question is saying, well, maybe we should, you know, maybe we don't want to stick our finger in a hornet's nest. We live in a hostile world, and when, when we Americans go in other places, um, we, we maybe we're just aggravating the cultural and political dynamic. Maybe we are. But it's not happening because of the gospel. And so I just want to affirm to us and to all, all of us here that our church and this body um, is going to remain committed to this process of of. Sending, blessing, helping those who are called to go and help others find Christ. That's our goal. That's part of who we are. That's part of why we exist as a church. And if we don't obey God because we're afraid that we might aggravate the devil, we might stick our finger in the devil's hornet nest, then we're not being obedient ourselves. It's not our... It's not our worry what the devil's going to do when we stick our finger in his hornet nest. God will take care of that in his way, in his time. It's our goal and our purpose to, to fundamentally say, this is how God operates, and we, we're going um, you know, to rejoice in it and participate in it. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for... Um, just being able to remind us that even though persecution sometimes happens, it often happens out of ignorance. There's no reason that any missionary should be persecuted except that Satan deceives somebody somewhere thinking that they should chop off their head or they should, they should do something to drive them away. And Lord, there are plenty of people who are persecuted, even though it's not because of them or their message, they're the messenger, and so they have to live with it and put up with it. And sometimes their lives are lost. But in that case, their going, even their dying, is still part of this message of love that cannot be erased by the darkness. It is this light that shines in darkness, and you yourself said the darkness has not overcome it. So we pray you will help us to not be intimidated by the fact that riots and wars and persecutions come, but let us be motivated by your call to share your message and your love. We'll honor you as we do that. We pray again for the many people that, that somehow we can participate with in the places where they are, I think especially of the seagulls in Russia today and pray that you will protect them there and supply their needs. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.